Welcome to the Research Reimagine podcast, brought to you by Nottingham Trent University. I'm your host, Helen Darby-Dowman, and I'll be inviting some of NTU's brightest minds to explore how their research is helping us to deepen our understanding of the world. From online addictions to transgender rights and sleep disorders, listen as we discuss some of society's most pressing challenges and uncover some of the ways our research is making a difference. The origin of pubs can be identified in the taverns of Roman Britain and the alehouses of Anglo-Saxon times. However, it wasn't until the early 19th century that pubs in their modern form as we see them today started to emerge. By definition, they are drinking establishments, licensed to serve alcoholic drinks for consumption on their premises. But are pubs more than just places for us to buy a drink? Claire Markham from Nottingham Trent University's School of Social Sciences certainly thinks so. She's been researching the world of the village pub for 13 years and has joined me today to talk about her work. In a time when financial difficulties are meaning last orders for many pubs, Claire discusses how losing them is not only waving goodbye to an important token of British village life, but also to a community hub and an important part of local heritage and culture. Hi Claire. Hi. Thanks very much for joining us today. And um, would you just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and about your research? Yep. So um, I'm Dr. Claire Markham. I'm a senior lecturer in the Department of Social and Political Sciences. And my research is all around kind of rural pubs and the sustainability of those and their impact within the community. So are pubs more than just a place to drink? Yes. In, in put simply. Um, so I don't drink myself. Um but I will visit pubs. And the reason I do that is because to me, they're places of history and heritage. Um, My research also shows that they're important economically, socially and culturally. So there's much, much more to pubs than just alcohol and somewhere to drink. So what was it that got you interested then in researching pubs? So I come to this as somebody who's lived in rural Lincolnshire all my life. And the village I live in had a pub. Um, and my grandparents used to visit that pub, in particular my granddad, weekly um, on a Sunday. Um, and I watched that pub close, open, close, open in the early 2000s to mid 2000s. And I saw the impact that it had on my granddad and his friends. And off the back of that, I kind of got thinking, well, what do we actually know about pubs and what is the impact of, say, the closures or the intermittent closures on actual communities and that's how my research started um I was already doing a master's around kind of alcohol and the nighttime economy so it was a natural progression to take it into the rural particularly because that has been something that has been neglected over time so rural research more generally pubs have tended to be the focus of much journalistic material but not hugely that much academic particularly sociological academic so it made sense to kind of see that gap to be able to research and give back to the community. So your research focuses obviously on rural and the rural pub could you explain a bit more about that like what what is rural and and that rural pub? Definitionally if you like it is incredibly difficult because there is no universal definition of rural. Within England it's usually around they say any settlement less than 10,000. Even then, though, it's kind of controversial because what happens if you've got 10,001 or 9,999? So for me, I tend to class villages within that. Anything kind of that comes into a town, I usually would class as a small market town. Um, 
But again, my work base is on Lincolnshire and it is known for its kind of rurality status. And so tell me a little bit about the rural pub and kind of what you've found out through that research. I mean, as you described yourself, you grew up in in that environment and visited rural pubs regularly or your your local pubs. Can you just talk to me a little bit about the actual research that you've done and what you've Yeah, found? so my research actually looks at multiple perceptions and experiences of the rural pub throughout kind of the ages. And when I say throughout the ages, um, I did 66 interviews um, with participants for my PhD, um, ranging from people who were in their 90s to people who had just turned kind of 18, 19. Um, and it looked at kind of how they see the pub, how it fits within their life, how it fits also within the imagery of the village and what people expect villages to look like. It also kind of brought in different perceptions amongst people who have lived in villages all their life and how they see the village pub versus kind of people who have moved into rural areas and what they see as the function of the pub. And again, this is where you start to get those different ideas around what a pub should look like, what it should feel like, how it should be aesthetically, what is kind of supposedly traditional. One thing I did come across very early on is what people want is not a traditional pub because a traditional pub would be spit and sawdust, um, poor sanitation a lot of the time, men only. What actually people seem to want is a hybrid between kind of some of the old fashioned aspects of the pub, like the swinging sign, the door, the open fire, mixed with some of kind of today's contemporary food offerings, comfortable surroundings. So actually what we've got is a mixture of kind of old and new fashion together that people seem to want. And so what does the word pub actually mean or where does it come from? So the word pub is kind of, it's an amalgamation really. Um, there are historians who can kind of tell you how it's developed actually kind of throughout the years. But ultimately... You used to have things like alehouses, taverns. Then become more along the lines of, as societies changed, um, things like the tavern and the alehouse were there for kind of accommodation purposes, in particular the alehouse, um, and the transporting of horses kind of for mail and things like that. The pubs had much more of a function as kind of overnight spaces. The pub has now become an umbrella term and relatively now covers most drinking spaces. So actually a lot of people talk about pubs now under the umbrella of a drinking space rather than an actual place because again, it is convoluted in the sense of you, you had beer houses, ale houses, taverns, and even within those kind of the public house, obviously the pub is short for the public house it is just basically somewhere public where you can go and have a drink but what you tend to find is that as far as the public goes they have an image of a pub that they want to see and if it doesn't match that image then they becomes questions of whether it is a pub but more broadly than that not only is it a pub is it really a village? So if the pub doesn't function as people think it should do within that village locality, you get people in question, is it even a village? So that's an interesting subject then. So tell us a little bit about, from your research, how the pub actually fits into the village, like the kind of importance of its stature within that. 
from an academic perspective, you could argue that the pub falls into something called the rural idyll. And the rural idyll is an idealised version of what we want the rural to be. Okay, so within that comes this idea that a community should have post offices, shops, pubs, but should be community focused. And the pub is a central feature of that with the church and the post office. And within that, it cements its place within this idea of a rural village must have this to be classed as a village. Why are we losing pubs at such an alarming rate? I think there's a whole raft of reasons. Um, Legislation, policy, obviously pubs coming off the back of COVID. It was a very challenging time for hospitality. You could argue the hospitality industry more broadly is struggling. Um, You then start to put into factors in rural areas in particular with the lack of public transport, how do you get where you drive? Well, then there's real strict laws around drink and driving. Um, if there is no public transport, those places become spaces where you might go for a meal, but they may not become so regular. I also think kind of in the current, if you like, cost of living crisis, people have had to tighten their belts financially. Eating out, as we know more generally, has kind of been affected on that. So again, I think there's a whole range of things when you then also look at the actual costs of running a pub, um, from the electric to the gas, those kind of things, plus the rents. Again, if it's a tenanted pub, have the rates gone up? So I think there's a whole combination of factors that have just kind of hit that perfect storm and they've all come together to create a kind of... I mean, one thing that is worth saying is that rural pubs, are often and have often faced closure. So again, if you look at my research, I have all the pubs that have been part of my research. I looked at the villages and most of them over the last hundred years have seen a decline from three or four in the village to one. So it's not a necessarily a new phenomenon that they're closing. I think now though, we've got much more of a sense of what the impact of that closure is rather than kind of they're just closing. And so I think there's that. And I also think one of the things that I wanted to do with my research was go away from, yes, the pubs are closing, to actually look at what is the impact of those closures. So if you read all the kind of headlines, you will hear these kind of stories like X amount of closing per day. But what is the actual impact of that? That is what we're kind of missing. And that's where I wanted my research to go in a kind of novel direction, reimagining that. Well, what does it mean to a community? And how can we help sustain the community, but also sustain the the rural pub through it as well. Yeah, because you were talking about at the beginning about what is rural and you were talking about the post office and the shop and the pub and the church. Well, a lot of places also don't necessarily have a shop anymore or a post office. So can you talk to me a little bit about the impact that these pub closures have on those communities? So the first thing to say is one thing that is different between post offices and shops and pubs is that there has been quite a few studies on the impact of post office closures on rural areas, okay? So when I was kind of doing my literature reviews and things, it was very, very easy to find data, if you like, or literature on the impact of post office closures. No such thing when I started my PhD existed in terms of rural pubs. So... My work were kind of, I see it as one of the first. There are a couple of us academics who study kind of pubs um, around, but 
realistically, I think kind of one of the things that makes my work or made my work more novel at the time was the fact that it actually started to bring out that impact. So broadly speaking, there are different impacts depending on which direction you want to look. Economically, which isn't my area of expertise, but I do cover it within my PhD, that is much more along the lines of the impact on the local economy, also kind of like through fall of kind of cross sale between produce. So there's an impact on the local economy. That is also felt though when people don't visit the area because if there is no pub, they may not visit the area. So you get the impact put through that. My two kind of areas that I tend to focus on is the social. So again, one of the things that came across very strongly was the social impact of the pub and how like when it's gone or it's no longer there, people can withdraw, particularly older people who have used that as their main social stay network. When it's gone, they can withdraw. It's had impacts in their views on their health, their well-being, just their community engagement and also community events because it used to be a hub where people would go to organize events, whether that be kind of community events like around jubilees or whether that be more personal things like weddings or funerals or wakes or kind of things like that. They used to be, the pub used to be the central place where people would go. So there's kind of that aspect to it. And then the aspect that has really kind of interested me and where I'm kind of taking my work even more forward now is the history, heritage, cultural side. So how the kind of the taking away of those places impacts on what we see as a village, but also the history and the heritage. So again, if you can think about a few months ago now, the Crooked House, the outcry that came from that around kind of this being a kind of a national icon, a treasure. Why is it, what is it so entrenched within our history? And then when you start to unravel that, you start to see that actually some pubs have connotations to historical events. So things like the Royal Oak, um, named after obviously Charles II and kind of the oak tree, yeah. um, through to Queen Victoria pubs. They've got kind of history attached to them. And that history can be national, or in some cases, a lot of times in rural, it can be local. So it embeds the local history. So when they're gone, you're taking away a connection to your history and your heritage. I mean, I can, I can picture many rural pubs where you go in and there's lots of photos too, lots of imagery. I mean, I suppose that almost gets lost. It's almost like a gallery within a village yeah, history. Yeah, so some pubs kind of use that to their diversification strengths and show off, they'll look, we have got this connection with kind of thing. And it acts as that way of drawing people in. But also once people are in there, when those kind of photos or kind of memorabilia, if you like, are there, it also gets people talking and then it kind of puts it kind of out there a lot more. And then people, word of mouth is central often to rural pubs about whether people will visit them. So by having something that you can attach to it, so again, if you look at the crooked house, the fact that it was crooked would get people talking and draw people in. So again, it's about kind of, for me now, where I'm very interested is how can we use the history and heritage of those spaces or those places to help sustain both the pub, but also the local community it serves? What do pubs need to do then to survive? And, you know, tell us a little bit about that diversifying. I think it's kind of 
an ongoing thing. Um, I think it's not like pubs can just make a transition to diversifying into a particular model and then leave it at that. The whole issue with diversification is some pubs can do it much, much easier than others, depending on whether they're freeholds or whether they are tenanted. So if you are tenanted, you are probably inhibited by what you want to do versus what you can do either financially or whether your kind of owners will allow you to do that. One thing that we did see during the pandemic though was pubs have always taken, had some kind of community role. What we saw during the pandemic is that, that many of them started to capitalise on things like takeaway pints, delivering of meals. Some of them have already d always done that. But what we saw within the kind of the media was that actually being shown to the public. So one of the things that was key during that idea was the takeaway pints, which actually was due to come to an end, but has been extended by the government now to actually continue taking place. So I think some of the things are, when we're talking about diversification, easier than others. Um, obviously, the most common one is diversification into local produce and food and selling of that. A lot of pubs have kind of gone into the teas and coffees market. And what you're tending to see now is that if they've also done things like book clubs or history societies, um, there are probably older people within the villages who want to go to those and will buy a coffee whilst taking part in those other activities. So again, what we're seeing is there's opportunities there. Some pubs have taken them. Some pubs are limited in the sense of what they are allowed to do because they are limited by their owners. Um, but what you're tending to find is the pubs that have kind of taken that leap and tried to embed themselves much more within the community are the ones that are now starting to get the recognition for being community orientated and I think it's kind of we have to remember that in order for pubs to survive they have to be economically viable if they're not economically viable they probably aren't sustainable but there are other ways that we can kind of think about pubs. And again, as spaces within rural areas become premium, so we, we are seeing things like churches, village halls closing a lot more. Churches in particular, they're probably open at set times, but the, to heat those or make them accessible is not a kind of a, a quick and easy fix. So there are spaces where people want to go the pub can offer that space. You're also seeing now pubs doing things around working from home and offering co-working spaces. So again, as we've moved away from office working five days a week, um, it's quite common for people to go to coffee shops and you see them with their laptops out working for an hour here, an hour there. Pubs are now kind of working out if we serve teas and coffees and cake as well as kind of the alcohol beverages, we can also draw in that market. And again, win rural areas, things like that would be welcome because things like the internet in rural areas, more broadly in houses, isn't always the best or the most reliable. So it might be that you could go to your pub or that, a space like that and work within those areas. 
um, saving on commuter costs and things like that. And also to get you out of your house for your mental well-being as well, because if you're stuck in the same space 24-7, just being able to work somewhere different can be give you that kind of freedom, that space to kind of be more creative or more productive. So where do you think we maybe be in five years time? If you think in like a year ago, we were losing sort of almost 400 pubs in a year. Do you think we're going to be on that same pattern? I think it's kind of difficult in some respects to give a definitive answer there. And I think it's difficult for several layers. One, when we talk about figures about pubs closing, what we never always 100% certain on is are they pubs that have fully closed or are they pubs that are closed at the time that the data is collected and then will reopen so we do know there has as I've said to you been a closure in pub numbers definitively it's sometimes hard to actually put the number down on that because again you get changing tenants closes for a bit reopens all those kind of issues I think there's a wider discussion to be had around hospitality more generally and kind of the discussions around kind of is government help and support help in the hospitality? Um, How kind of what can we do? What can local authorities do? I think there's discussions to be had around that. I think kind of one of the things that rural pubs are doing in particular is now trying to showcase their importance. And I think for me... That's the part I want to showcase their importance, because if we can start to showcase that importance and get it recognised within the academic sphere, within the policy sphere, within the government sphere, all those different spheres, and we can say, look, this is impacting on X, Y or Z, then we can start to kind of unpack so we're all we're always saying in the newspapers in particular, and we've said it with the Crooked House, another pub gone that's massively impacting but we haven't really got the actual ever lots of evidence to say yes it is impacting but how is it impacting and if we can kind of get that out there and we can show just like the post offices that these are needed then I think that kind of so it's getting it out there and it's it's slowly getting out there but compared to other kind of rural facilities it is the one that still kind of remains quite hidden around what do we actually know because again it goes back to that idea that when people think about pubs they predominantly think about alcohol and it's I mean a lot of my social media stuff is all about showing that I don't drink and yet I go to these spaces and enjoy those spaces and I think there's also a market for kind of we know every year kind of you get the stoptobers you get the kind of the dry Januarys. We also know that there are changing shifts within society around movement towards no and low alcohol. We can kind of use those kind of things to bring in, again, there are some fantastic um, non-alcohol versions now of drinks that you go to the pub and actually you can't access them because either they are not able to stop them because they are not freehold. So there are things like that. So changing the kind of having a discussion around possible legislation, around what can and can't be done, making it more of a kind of showcasing what it actually means to communities and also showcasing what it means to our history. Because again, if you look at any kind of big event, and when I'm talking big event, I'm talking things like World Cups, football matches, 
jubilees, anything like that, pubs are often central to kind of those events, whether that be local kind of matches or kind of more broadly when we're talking about things, they're central to that. You take them away, what's the impact? And again, we can hypothesize and surmise what the impact is, but there isn't a huge amount of research out there that actually looks at that. So the the kind of the few of us who do research kind of those areas um, are starting to do that. But again, rural pubs are still on the periphery compared to say like the urban counterparts simply because rural sociology isn't as far developed, if you like, as kind of more city-based studies. Just to recap, what what is it that we know so far is the big is the big impacts from pub closures within within that rural environment. And then also, you know, tell me about what you want to know next or, you know, what's going to make that big difference? Broadly speaking, the research, including my own on this, shows that there are economic, social and cultural impacts when pubs close. There are also impacts on history and heritage and how people view villages. So if people view villages as having facilities that are not there, it will often dissuade people from moving into those localities and they will favour spaces that match their ideals. So I had in my PhD, some participants say to me, and these are quoted in my um, thesis, that ultimately, even if the pub it is wasn't open, the village would need to look like it's got a pub for me to go there. Okay, so again, it's that imagery. So I think it's kind of moving away from kind of saying, yeah, and saying, actually, these have become part of our history, our heritage. When they close, there is an impact, both kind of two people there, but also a wider impact on kind of what is happening out in kind of society. And all those things get neglected when they do close, because again, what is happening to those people? So for me, what I want to do going forward is a lot more work around how we can use history and heritage to help sustain pubs and therefore help sustain the rural community more generally. So it's about taking kind of ideas like kind of taking one particular pub, for example, exploring its history exploring how it's changed through time, exploring what might happen should that pub close and the wider impact of that. So that's what I would love to see and engage with going forward. Claire, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. If you'd like to find out more about Claire's research, please have a look in the episode description. You've been listening to the Research Reimagine podcast by Nottingham Trent University. For all of the latest news from the research community at NTU, follow us on Twitter at NTU underscore research or sign up to our research newsletter by visiting ntu.ac.uk forward slash research. Thanks for listening.